0: Good morning, you're listening to Two XXXFM 98.3. Welcome to Subject ACT, where we explore local current affairs from an informed, curious and independent perspective. It's Monday the 27th of June. I'm Becca Postorino. Today we digress from politics, albeit brief, to explore comedy in the ACT from two seasoned professionals. Artistic Director of Impro ACT, Nick Burns, shares what it means to be completely in the moment as an improvisation performer. Improvention 2016 is coming up in July and Nick promotes some of the exciting events in store this year, including an improvised film that will be screened as part of the event. I also spoke with Tim Ferguson, comedy legend, author and teacher and former member of the Doug Anthony All-Stars. Tim will lead an inspiring comedy masterclass July 9th and 10th at the Canberra Theatre. The workshop will provide valuable tools for writers in all genres and creative disciplines. Tim also shares his path as a comedian in Australia and the freedom of his performative connection with his Doug Anthony All-Star friends. Thanks for joining us today on Subject ACT 2XFM 98.3. Lovely to have your company. Coming up next, Artistic Director of Impro ACT, Nick Burns i'm becca posterino today we're talking to nick byrne he is an improvisation artist or he's an improviser and he is part of impro act and Improvention, which is an international festival of unscripted theater hi becca i'd like to start with a festival that's coming up in july would you like to talk a little bit about that
1: Oh, well, this is a uh, Canberra-based festival that became the biggest event in this style of performance in the country from what was just one graduation show of our first ever set of classes in Canberra and is now a recognised international festival with people from all over the globe, world experts, but we still have, unlike a lot of festivals, a very inclusive attitude that that brings new players and local players into that fold and puts them alongside the the greats of the craft as well.
0: So did you come from an improvisation background specifically or did you come from a theatre background? How did you find your way into improvisation?
1: Well I'd always had some theatre in my background. Theatre in your blood. Yeah (laughs) but I was was largely uh, a musician I guess Mm -hmm. at the time I left school with a bit of theatre on the side and then theatre took over from music and then improvised theatre took over from, from scripted theatre somewhere or another in the 90s. So
0: what instruments do you play?
1: Uh, keyboard predominantly. Yeah. Whether I still play it or not is a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a matter of contention. You use, <laughs> lose your discipline and uh, your fingers don't do what you want them to do. <laughs>
0: and do you sing as well?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, I worked as a piano vocalist for quite a few years and I guess all of that does have an effect on what I mm. do. I, I teach a musical improvisation course to the theatre improvisers as well as as something that the average person is probably scared of but doesn't need to be then hopefully they just need to be introduced Mm. to a step-by-step method to the music that's within us all
0: yes having been inside your class as a few of your workshops now as a participant myself, I noticed the space is quite eclectic. You have a range of backgrounds, you have some experienced, inexperienced. What can people expect when they come to a workshop, an improvisation workshop? What should they bring and what should they sort of leave behind?
1: Yeah, I think the only thing that people need to bring is just an open, honest, clean slate. It's a great leveller because improvisation is quite a different set of skills to other theatrical skills and we can pretty much all improvise we're doing it right now and in every conversation we have so it's about letting what is already inside you out and not feeling that that's going to be wrong or judged and working with that material so people don't need to think fast they don't need to be clever they don't need to be the loudest person in the room they need to be open and honest.
0: What makes something funny?
1: Well I think surprise is definitely a factor the unexpected improvisational craft is is not really related to trying to make gags mm. like stand-up comedy It's people doing what is obvious and connected to what their partner is doing mm. so that you create a flow of information. Mm over and over and over again until the thing that you said or did is something that was only obvious to you, you know, the just me factor, and then everybody laughs. Or it's the moment where a response on stage reflects what was going on in the audience's head. Mm. So there's a, there's a fire on stage and immediately a fire person rushes (laughs) on, uh, everyone laughs just because that offer was Mm. expected and Mm. that it's it's happened immediately.
0: I've seen you improvise and it looks effortless and it looks like you're not thinking much, if I can assess what you're thinking. It seems there's... a effortlessness and a sort of an intuitive process that's going on inside you because it looks just to flow. Is that how it feels for you when you're doing it or is there more of a struggle mm. within yourself to become free?
1: I think it's a it, it's a lifelong journey rather than a struggle. It's a it's a process and certainly there's there's stuff going on most of the time, but at your best is is when you're completely liberated mm. and and in the moment and you can feel that and the more often that it occurs, then the more often it's likely to occur on a regular basis, mm. and so on. So, I liken it to meditation mm. in in the sense that it's not just you know divorcing yourself from the the thinking world, but it, it's a trainable art to mm. teach yourself to get into a mental zone mm. that just allows what what's required to happen to happen. There is no one who's Perfected it, uh, and there's no one who you can say is likely to be uh, better mm. or or worse at it. People can have a catharsis mm. in or an epiphany, I should say, <laughs> you know, at any point in in learning it. So yes, if you happen to have seen me at, <laughs> at, at, my, at my best, then no, I probably wasn't thinking at all. I probably couldn't tell you what happened, yeah. even.
0: Do you think you're a conduit? It seems that way in some ways because your thoughts aren't interrupting the flow mm. of whatever it is that's happening between your partner or the audience. Is it like you're a conduit in some way of something
1: I think that's a, a a terrific way to look at it. In fact, I'm going to going to steal the word word conduit. I love uh, that from word from you. Thank you. Because if we're doing a story, a shared story in which each person can only speak one word at a time, then mm. a lot of people will slave about what their mm. word that they're going to slave over what word they're going to contribute. And we would often say, "Don't say what the next word in the sentence should be. Mm. Say what it is." Mm. Because when, once you're in that flow. You know, the next word's likely to be ah uh, or the or so, something like that. And it's it's thinking ahead to what could be mm. that's going to get you into trouble in that circumstance. We also say use what is already there on the table. Mm. I mean, once once you've walked out onto stage, something has already happened. Mm. And there is so much material that has already happened, if you're prepared to look at the detail, mm. that... You don't have to cleverly create anything. Mm. You just reference or build upon what is already there mm. and it's likely to be the most connected material that builds a solid narrative mm. or, or- has the funniest observation mm. attached to it mm. rather than the one that's going on in your head.
0: With the festival that's going on in July, what are some of the events that you'd like to talk about? It's a week long.
1: Yes, it is. It's, it's a festival and it's a convention. So it's highly participatory. There'll be well over 100 improvisers from all over Australia and all over the globe. And and they're actually participating in 50 discrete mm. half-day Wow. Workshops, So it's a big educational opportunity for them. Audiences can expect to see 35 shows in an eight-day period from July 2 to 9. Well, we expect them to come to all 35. <laughs> Whether they do is probably a little bit optimistic. <laughs> but we open with an Improvision Song Contest. So uh, people from all over the world will represent their country and present (laughs) a completely improvised song with an improvised band. It was a great hit last year and with with all the trimmings that you would imagine, maybe not quite the same budget at the Street Theatre on on the 2nd of July. But we have two improvised films. So there's an Australian feature film, that was made here in Canberra using footage created at a previous intervention because so many uh-huh. people are in one spot, which is the creation of Murray Fay, who is the producer of the recent hit Alex and Eve, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's Alex and Eve. And various comedic films mm. like Dag's and so on was one one of Murray's. Oh, right. So there's an Australian feature film. And there's also a European collaboration where five actors from five countries perform or created five chapters to create a feature film. So all the actors are in all the chapters, but each chapter is directed by a different director from oh, one yes. of the different nations in the different nations. So that's going to be a okay. great thing to see. And we have, we have a convention which has a focus this year, though not solely, on a gender forum Mm. on the the Monday and Tuesday morning to discuss how how genders interact. And I I guess there'll be a primary focus on women's issues within that because the issues that are most uh, noticeable within Mm. improv uh, communities. So they're free, the convention sessions. So anyone with an interest into gender communications Mm. can feel welcome to come to the street theatre on the morning of Monday 4 and Mm. July 4 and july Mm -hmm. Mm 5 and uh, have a listen to those Mm -hmm. and then there'll be all sorts of shows throughout the week shows in a certain genre Mm -hmm. light comedic shows musicals all improvised finishing up with our grand finale the cambrian pro theater challenge which started it all is a short form sketch show that people might most associate improvisation with improvisational technique is simply how to hold a conversation Mm. that flows and how to make progress in a conversation or a physical interaction unlike scripted theater where it's how to present or emulate reality as best you can given the script Mm. an improvisation it it is what's happening right now so it's actually the for me the closest reflection of Mm. what's happening in any context of life and a lot of organisations are using the training techniques of improvisation to improve their interactions for that reason.
0: Perhaps there needs to be some improvisation training in the political environment.
1: Well absolutely certainly There'd be less politicians uh, caught out by those tricky questions. (laughs) They should just agree and admit things more. You know, if someone's asking you a question about something you don't know, then you just say, oh, I've got no idea. I really Mm. should check up on that, shouldn't Mm. I? You might lose a little bit in that vulnerability, but I think what you gain in your honesty and your humanity is is much greater in terms of public perception. Mm.
0: That can be really beneficial to so many things, improvisation, not just politically, but to life. So these are skills that we can all benefit from.
1: Yes, I hope, I hope so. And a larger part of my time these days, probably a slightly greater proportion of my income these <laughs> days is devoted to teaching that sort of material or sharing that sort of material as I say, in workplace contexts, mm. sometimes therapeutic contexts.
0: And they're finding benefit from these skills that you're sharing?
1: Yes, it's uh, it's interesting because uh, teaching it to either an arts community or a community who have chosen to engage in the arts maybe for the first time and teaching it day by day, week by week, I guess I often go into a workplace and have all these clever ideas of amazing things to teach to help achieve the objectives. But what amazes me is the I guess the low starting point that so many people are on in person-to-person communications because mm. I'll do all of these clever exercises and then very regularly at the end of one of these sessions the first comment back will be you know that thing at the beginning where we shook each other's hands and said each other's names brilliant absolutely brilliant I've been uh, working three cubicles down from Joanne for the last five years and I never even knew her name I think interpersonal communication in the day of of the internet and the lack of... Yeah, it's very crucial.
0: Nick, thank you so much. For entering into this conversation, is there anything else that you wanted to share about in pro ACT or improvention coming up? Is there anything else that you wanted to mention?
1: Well, I guess if anybody's been inspired by the discussion and would like to uh, try out training, which is, which is at least half the people that start aren't imagining themselves to be theatrical improvisers, mm. they're, they're there to gain confidence or mm. these sorts of skills. And some are looking to pick up a toolkit of, of skills for the stage. We're running courses and workshops all the time at impro.com.au. <laughs> so for it. yeah, get in touch, and we can give you something to try this out and see if it can benefit you.:
0: Thanks, Nick, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you.
2: Benedictine Your heart feels so right your eyes, swim in the beer where the with your friend Jojo, with your friend Pierre You drink a toast to me young Jojo thinks he's Voltaire Pierre, he's Casanova And me, I proudly did not care Me, me, I'm Navratilova And at midnight, we watched the salesmen pass Coming out of hotels that had real class We showed them our good manners And we showed them our arse And oh, how we sang The middle class are just like pigs The older they get, the better they get the middle class are just like pigs. The fatter they get, the less they regret. Baddle, 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 my. Your heart feels so right, your eyes from the beer where the ballroom lights are humming. <coughs> with your friend JoJo, with your friend yeah holding on to being young. Voltaire danced like a vicar, but Casanova was too stout. And me, I proudly did not care, and Paul stank till we passed out. And at midnight, we watched the salesmen pass, coming out of hotels that had real class. We showed them out with manners, and we showed them our ass. And, and oh, how we sang. The middle class, I just like pigs. The older they get, the fatter they get. The middle class, I just like pigs. The better they get, the less they... What? Come on, come on, come on, come on! Anytime, anytime! Oh. <laughs> you spat in my mouth! That's disgusting! So please But your heart slows down, your eyes do not flash, the hotel bartender sings our praise. Damn it! Fourteen-year-old kid in the front row. <laughs> no, Jojo is no clown. Pierre pays in cash. Among the bookkeepers we spend our days. Now Jojo just speaks of Voltaire and Casanova. Oh, is just a book on the shelf. And me, I proudly do not care. Me, me, ishwa, me, I speak only of myself. Yeah, Tim, 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 Nine, Dago, Eagle, Television, Me, roo. Me, oh, me, a me, Maniac. I- Everybody knows that we've got real class. There is not a night that we can't pass. Those lousy little kids, always showing their ass. Hmm, not bad. Oh God, how they sing! The middle class, I just like pigs. The older they get, the better they get. The middle class, I just like pigs. The better they get, the less they regret.
0: That was a recording of the Doug Anthony All-Stars, The Middle Class, featuring Tim Ferguson performing at the National Theatre in New York in 1990. And before that, we heard from Artistic Director of Impro ACT, Nick Burns, on the Art of Improvisation and the Improvention Festival that will be hosted in Canberra in July this year. Coming up next, Tim Ferguson, comedian, author and comedy legend to talk about his exciting comedy writing masterclass coming up at the Canberra Theatre July 9th and 10th. You're listening to Two 2XXFM 98.3. The program is Subject ACT. I'm Becca Postorino. This morning we are talking to comedian, author, and teacher of comedy, Tim Ferguson. Welcome to the program.
3: Oh, hi, Becca. Hi, two double X.
0: <laughs> it's a real honor and pleasure to have you on the show.
3: Oh, look, it's great to be here. I don't know, maybe a pleasure. We'll see if it's honorable <laughs> by the time we're finished. The very first musical recording the Doug Anthony Allstars made was at the...
0: A&U, 2XX?
3: At the... Yeah, the Childers Street, 2 double X And we were in there all night. Those days you could smoke cigarettes as much as you want. <laughs> so we freely were smoking inside. But you can't do that anymore. Record music without permission. Oh, and smoking.
0: <laughs> it's a shame.
3: Yeah, I know. It, it's just... You know, it, it was a good old day. And look at us. <laughs> <laughs> Still going a- strong.
0: Tim, what is your first memory of comedy?
3: I would... Say the first time it hit me was Auntie Jack, which was an ABC TV program. Uh, I'm saying this for any listeners you might have who are under 70 years old, and it was it was this bizarre show. It was just I didn't know what it was. I mean, I'd seen Benny Hill because he was very popular, and I'd yes. seen no um, Kenny Everett was another one. Then yes. the Goodies, yes, um, were shows that I just adored in the afternoon. But then Auntie Jack arrived, and it was Australian, and it was unlike anything anybody else was doing. You had a man in a dress wearing boxing gloves, just who was just punching things. And if you don't do what I say, I'll rip your bloody arms off. It was a man saying "bloody," and we were allowed to repeat it in front of our parents. The, the magnitude of this immediately made me, in the back of my mind, think, "I want to be Auntie Jack," but I could only be Auntie Jack in my private life.
0: It was, oh, uh, it was Monty Python-esque. I don't know if you have yeah, that I same analogy, or, but it's, it has that sort of quirky, surreal kind of... I don't know. I'd never thought about a, okay. a
3: creative connection between them, but certainly it was the zeitgeist, yeah. um, a time when the weirder your comedy was, the better. These mm. days, to get a TV show up, Certainly in Australia that's comic, it's about the affinity the audience feels mm. with the subject matter. But with Auntie Jack and Monty Python, there was no regard for what the audience might do with this information.
0: It was purely out of there. Yeah. Crea- which is just creative, a different
3: way. Yep. Just a different way of going about it. And mm. the cycle will go, you know, the mighty boosh.
0: Yes. In the UK
3: yes. did that stuff and big train. But yes. in Australia they have to play it far safer than Auntie Jack with men in Dresses threatening violence because you... there'll be someone complaining. As they should. Oh yes, yes, that's right. Yes.
0: Why comedy? Why not accountancy or garbology or even a place called presenter? I could see you as that.
3: Comi- well those three careers all go together, Becca, and you've <laughs> rightly identified those as the three choices of a young person with a creative spirit. Uh, Comedy, uh, I think it's changed now, but, you know, in the 80s when I started working with Paul McDermott and Richard Feidler, saying, oh, we're comedians, was an admission of failure. (laughs) Right. Uh, Comedy wasn't regarded as a career. Uh, My parents certainly just had no idea what to do with the information. There was, no one had any idea that there would one day be a Melbourne Comedy Festival with hundreds of acts, a festival that would be the biggest ticketing festival in the country. Is that right? It's huge. The Melbourne Festival itself is dwarfed by the size of the comedy festival. But then, you know, Gretel Colleen turned up in Canberra. We thought it was the arrival of royalty simply <laughs> because she arrived. She was from Sydney. Ooh, Ooh, Sydney. The big smoke. And she was this incredibly cool woman who was doing comedy. We'd never even heard of that. Like a woman, what, And how does it work better? What do you do? She said, well, I just stand there and I talk. My God, you're amazing.
0: <laughs> so you met Paul and Richard at university. Did you study at the ANU, I'm assuming?
3: God, no. I wouldn't go to university if you held a gun <laughs> to my head and my parents tried because we were a farming family so we had weapons available. There is no way I would waste years at university. I mean, you go to university, to become a doctor or an architect, something that saves people's lives. But to go to university to become an environmentalist or to study arts, to study your arts, is a waste of your time. Go to the library. That was what I thought. Also, it was easier just to go to the library and I could read all the Brontes, read yeah. all the Kafka, without having to then write down an essay to prove that I understood it. But, you know, that was just me. Also, I was busy. And someone said to me, no one went to university and became a self-made millionaire by the age of 21. And once I heard that, I thought, I don't want to go to university.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So where did you meet Paul and Richard? Was it in the library?
3: No, although Richard, you know, was and is and ever shall be incredibly nerdy, but he had his own book collection. No, I think I met them at Uh, drunken parties on the street you know people we have conflicting accounts of where we met each other and that's partly because unlike them I'm not big on details and I didn't care have to care about such things and I don't I don't keep those details so we went we met in whatever circumstances Paul and Richard
0: did and how important was your connection to them in your path to comedy
3: Oh, I mean, they were crucial. Yeah. Richard had his own guitar. And when I started working with Paul, it became very clear that I was completely outclassed by his brain. He is a man, you know, when they say multi-talented, he is pan-talented, whatever it is. He can do dancing, no problem. Singing, Mm. a voice like a meadow lark. This is Paul. Yeah, painting, drawing. You can take a stab at anything. Architecture, he can do anything. He's just got one of those minds.
0: But you connected Um, to him and he to you, so there must have been some common thread.
3: Oh, the only creative common thread that we instantly agreed upon is you can do whatever you like. (laughs) (laughs) Save it if you want. Total freedom, zero support.
0: And you did. And you've all made very successful careers of it.
3: Yeah, we still don't support each other on stage. But you're totally free. Yeah. I'm totally free to say I've got a new feminist poem tonight. Not <laughs> explain to Paul and Paul Livingston before the show anything about it. You know, when I feel like it's time, I will read that feminist poem, which yeah. I learned about at 2 X.
0: You once said good comedians usually have a bug to bear and are angry and have something to get off their chest, what enrages you right now?
3: Oh, right now, it's the hypocrisy of all political classes. That's right, even the Greens. Did he say (laughs) Greens, darling? Yes, turn the radio off, turn the radio off before he (laughs) says it again. Politics is built upon hypocrisy. And anybody who believes a political party, otherwise known as a gaggle, can agree on anything is kidding themselves and i find it enrages me to watch the election trying to appeal not to our lower instincts but to our middle instincts
0: and as a comedian do you make your insecurities the pillars of your punchlines
3: and there are all sorts of comics one's own insecurities don't necessarily have to be a starting point creatively yeah. there's certainly a good fallback if you've got nothing else to talk about you can just say Oh, well, I hate my mother. I'll start with that. A comedian like Sam Simmons, who does that absurdist, Python-esque kind of comedy, doesn't start with his own insecurities, whereas an observation comic might, because they're talking about, you know, other people's foibles and their own arrive. So your own insecurity is a school of comedy, a brand of comedy. For me, I've got MS, and I am not at all insecure about it and it doesn't cause me any, in fact it probably causes me too little concern but that's just me.
0: Your comedy masterclass in Canberra is a a great opportunity to work with you and you obviously have a clear insight into the craft of writing comedy Can, (laughs) Can comedy be taught?
3: Oh yeah, comedy is a craft Most people and most writers assume that being funny is just something that happens naturally, you're either you know, a gifted raconteur at a dinner party or you're not. You can either tell a joke well or you can't. But when it comes to actual writing of comedy and the writing of jokes, it's just like drama. It's got principles and they can be mastered, particularly for writing. You don't need to be able to stand up and recite your own scripts, but it's definitely possible to write your own funny script. If you've ever laughed in your life, then... You've taken one step towards being a comedy writer.
0: Tim, thank you so much for your time. And um, Oh, thank you, Becca. It was great chatting to you and promote the Masterclass again. It's July the 9th and 10th at the Canberra Th- Theatre. Court-
3: courtyard. Yep, courtyard in the court- Studio. Courtyard Studios. And if- but go online, the Canberra Theatre website. But if you're a writer, it is vital you do this course. There is no way around it. You can't say, oh, comedy scares me, comedy worries me. Oh, I'm not funny. You can't wimp it. If you're a writer, you are not allowed to wimp it because if you (laughs) do, you will die poor. Everyone from Stephen King to Camille Parlier to uh, a romance writer, Barbara Cartland, every good, successful writer knows how to build a joke. And if you don't, and you cannot a writer be.
0: Thank you, Tim. It's been Thanks, a pleasure. Becca.
3: I love you, two double X. Go women!
0: <laughs> that was the incomparable and rapid-fire pun pusher Tim Ferguson talking about the craft of comedy writing. Tim's Masterclass is a two-day course, Saturday 9th and Sunday the 10th of July at the Courtyard Studio at the Canberra Theatre. Tickets are available online at au. Coming up next week, we meet boxing champion and humanitarian Bianca Almir to talk about her relationship with boxing and the importance of Muslim women joining the conversation on what it is to be an Islamic woman in Australia. Tomorrow, on Tuesday's edition of Subject ACT, Doug Dobing meets the ACT Senate candidates. And coming up next... Community Radio Network's topical storytelling, all the best. Lovely to have your company today. You've been listening to Subject Day CT on 2XFM. Join us each weekday, 8.30 till 9am. I'm Becca Posterino. Have a wonderful day.